Here we are, Ducks Don't Get Cold Feet, podcast number 18. We are here with Joel Vans, the Omega. Uh, most people might just see his work as Vans, the Omega. Uh, let's say a street artist could be, you know, used to be a graffiti artist as it used yes, to be called before it, before it got a term, you know, before it got a popular term. I was going on record and saying I think you're one of the most talented street artists in this country, definitely in South Australia. And I can guarantee if anyone's listening to this in South Australia, they would have seen your work somewhere. Whether they know it or not, they would have seen it for sure. Correct. Yes. And after today, we're going to learn a little bit about what's in that mind of Joel. Or, I don't know what your friends call you. Why do they call you Joel or they call you Vans? I've got so many different names from different eras. I've got uh, mates, old school mates that call me Chic, um, Fruit Bat, Mozzie with no wings, uh, Vansy. Some people just call me Omega. Occasionally people call me Joel. And, you know, I'm a kid, some daddy. You know? oh, I've got many, many little the aliases. The final one's probably <laughs> the most precious, that's for sure. Some people in our team like nicknames and some people don't. Do they, COVID? Yeah, so he's got his nickname. He's 19. He's always got allergies. Uh, <laughs> Pretty simple. Oh, <laughs> so it's an easy one for us, and um, he, he loves working here, as you can tell. He's like the happiest guy. He's <laughs> uh, killing it. In the room. So you've obviously been – you're based in Adelaide. Yes. Uh, if we go back to um, back in the early days, um, you know, whereabouts did you grow up in Adelaide? I actually grew up in um, – I was born uh, at Christie's, yeah. Christie's Beach. And then I moved to Hackham West, Morfitt um, Vale, um, all around that sort of traps. And then down to Glandor, uh, Belby Heights, um, Coromandel Valley, and then back down onto the, the flat. So. Jesus. So you've really covered the spectrum of Adelaide. And you ended up going, <laughs> were you at school at Blackwood? No? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went to St. Therese um, as a child, uh, the primary school. In Kernlight Gardens, and then I ended up at um, yeah Blackwood High, and um, pretty well running amok at well, school. School at that stage of you know in the in the early nineties was just I don't know it was just sort of playtime. We were hardly there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was very I, different to school today. Yeah, it's like even oh, kids God. today want to go to uni. It's un I, I don't understand it, but some kids no. don't want to miss uni. Like some, yeah, some don't. I, I, w- I would probably just be in the bar or trying to find a wall to paint and occasionally catch up or fall asleep in a dark room <laughs> that they would call it. <laughs> it's time to learn something. I'd be, I'd be out like a light. Oh, shit. So yeah. let's talk about school for a bit. You actually, I believe you went to school with some um, pretty big hoodlums. Oh, uh, yeah. would, would we know of any of those? And, uh, that, oh, would, would I know of some of those? Yeah, I um, went to school with um, the hoods. Um, you know, famous Hoods, very close mates of mine, and we grew up doing all sorts of, I guess, mischief as kids do at that time. But I guess that was my inter- introduction um, more heavily into hip hop. Um, even though you know, when I was a kid, hip hop it, w- it was very loosely sort of termed, yeah. and and I guess it was sort of more R and B, and you'd have the occasional sort of American program that would come through and. Um, it was sort of crossover of, of genres heading towards what we know as the sort of golden era of hip-hop, which was the 90s. Yep. So being at school in that era was like really, really amazing. So, you know, I guess a typical, normally we'd get kicked out of class, we'd end up sort of writing lyrics or freestyle rapping to each other in what was called T2 
room, uh, pe- oh, the people doing graffiti and, and, and the boys rapping in the corner and then we all end up hanging out, you know? No shit. Is that no shit what was going down at Blackwood there? Yeah. Like every, every, every other day, like half of us were kind of in T2 for something that we did that was apparently naughty. So it's it's fair to say, well, some bloody amazing pedigrees come from that um, that situation, I guess. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Talk about things that people enjoy doing. Um, obviously, art somewhere along the lines there for you. Um, was there an age, like, did you come out of the womb fucking being able to draw with blood pretty or well. something like that? Or, yeah, pretty well. Oh, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like that. No, really? Yeah, so, well, so from a really young age, I mean, we've been told that maybe at the age of three, you actually started to draw. Yeah, p- properly. Like my um, my grandparents, like they were very artistic. My grandfather was like a musician. My uncle was a musician. My mum was a dancer. My nana had like a studio, like a proper studio set up, um, you know, that I was in all of my life since I was born. So if I went around to my grandparents' place, I'd inevitably see her doing watercolour, oils, crochet, knitting, um, charcoals. She used every type of medium, decoupage. She was just arts and crafting. She'd, you know, we'd be able to sit up there and I'd just be drawing, looking at her stuff. She'd always have fruit bowls out that she'd be drawing or painting oils and, yeah. and doing studies. So I was kind of always exposed to those types of things. Um, it's just kind of funny that as soon as I guess I held a spray can in my hand. It was kind of game over. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Nan. Like, hang on, Joel, my beloved uh, grandson's here, and all of a sudden he's gone. Yeah. So yeah. when you talk about, you know, learning and drawing, you know, the, that's a tip. when you think of people doing art, I think every school's made made kids draw the the, the fruit bowl. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, some of that must have set in because you do like drawing fruit. Oh yeah. I, no, I, I, I do. I mean, I, I like drawing stuff to do with nature, natural things. Um, is is what I kind of, I guess, love the most. And even some of the stuff where you see like the the geometric sort of shapes and whatever, they actually come from my fascination and love of crystals. Okay, and, that and, totally and, explains and minerals. Your yeah. So it's it's not. Um, I mean, occasionally it's sort of taking the hints of of architecture, but those architects that I like have actually taken the taking the cues from nature so it's this sort of full sort of cycle but I guess going back to school and what I'd use in school was your crepars your pastels and all this stuff and I used to do sort of pieces we'd, we'd do tags and little pieces in stuff that you'd kind of yoink your crayons from school yeah, and yeah. on the way to walking to like um, Sturt Stadium just down the road to go and play basketball or, or hang out there'd be all these laneways on the on the way so you know, you, you learn. I remember one of the first words that I did a piece of, um, uh, like sketches and stuff, it was Sahara. So at school, I would have learned something about Egypt and Sahara yeah. came up the, and, and you'd write, you know, I'd just write random names. I'd write all my family name. So I've got like pieces of, you know, my mum's name's Janice, my dad's name, Van. That's actually where Van's comes oh, from. Really? So my middle name is Van, my dad's name is Van. So is that like a kind of, it's a pretty hippie name, no? Or is it? Is well, it that, sounds all right. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's cool. People like think it. my, my name is like Van more like they're connected, but they're actually, that's Van is my middle name. Okay. Through my dad. But <laughs> Van was very um, uninteresting to write with graffiti. Because if you think big, about the stroke, just yeah. up, down, up, down, up, down, up. Yeah. 
it's just so boring, you know. So I actually put an S on the end because it gave it a little bit of funk. I was like, all right, I've got to have the curviest letter I can on the end here. And you could always like do an S and then like underline it underneath. You know, I think when I was first started sort of putting up uh, vans more, more properly, it was that era that every T-shirt and every single um, logo out there was like a baseball logo. And you know how they always yeah. had the swoop yeah, that went under it? Underneath, right? yeah. So I was like, that's I'm, that's where I'm going with my S. <laughs> so did, when you were, t- we're going back like at school time when, you, you know, obviously you, you picked up a spray can. Yeah. What? But pre-spray can. So when was it? That was about 15, was it? When you picked up the spray can? I was a. No, um, spray can was at about 11 and a half. Um, okay. So just towards the end of sort of year seven. For me, I think because my birthday was in um, late September, I sort of, yeah, however I started school or or finished, like I actually finished year 12 and I was still, I don't think I'd even turned 18. So you finished school? Yeah, when I I finished school. Not that I should have passed, but we won't go there just yet. (laughs) Um, But yeah, going back to sort of um, primary school, um, you know, running around, doing stuff with the Craypars, Everyone, you know, a lot of us had one or two or three tags. At the time, you could get like those bubblegum wrappers that yeah. had like, I think they're from Copenhagen, Denmark. Yeah. And they all had like hip hop sort of little pieces on them. And so we just sort of replicate the drawings and replicates the things that we'd see in the streets at the time, sort of from the 85, 86, 87 era. And you'd see it out in the street, you draw it at school, you walk down a laneway and, and you'd, you'd put it up. Yeah. See, that's so cool. Yeah. Like, and... Did you have a bunch of mates that have you've stepped, step, stayed with since then, or did, you know? Because well, artists, are, they all, yeah. they they have, in general, artists have their own style, and you can see that style, and you can distinctively go, oh yeah, okay, that's so and so. Did you have that from it? Like, were you? I look at my daughter. She's, I reckon, she's quite talented in mm. drawing. I think you've seen some of her work. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, is that normal? And I see some of the other pictures, and I don't see much of it. Like, uh, some people just have. A flair. I think some of the drawings that I see from when I was a kid and even early high school, I think they're some of the best pieces of artwork that I've done. There was something about the naivety and not, there was sort of a stage where there isn't copying as such. You know, there's emulation and there's sort of aspects of copying, but there's also like a, a middle ground that some, you, you just end up finding something that's you. And it was funny, um, when was it? Probably about. 15 years ago when my parents were sort of um, cleaning out like a, a dirt room from under the house, they found like a just a bag full of like my old artwork and it had stuff from like primary school, like books and folders and bits of artwork. And going through it, I'd actually, uh, a lot of the stuff that I was doing when I was a really young kid, I had all these geometric patterns within the fills. I had all this stuff that I ended up doing later in my sort of graffiti sort of street art career, but there was a sort of, 15 year gap in between and I hadn't seen any of that stuff and it just sort of would naturally came back out like the fascination of all the patterns and I and I was this was when I was at age six and seven I was doing letters that were just filled with patterns and all this other crazy stuff and then yeah so you've still got all your original work by any chance a, a lot of stuff yeah I was going through yeah, my stuff at home and my mum's kept everything yeah like you know certificate and um 
Uh, so let's have a look. So so saw the stickers and whatnot and poems. So there's all this stuff my mum's kept from year four and whatnot. And one of my mates had a poem there, and um, I was I took a photo of it and sent it to him. Monsters in space, deep in space, the monsters slimy and green, strong monsters which fight with long claws. They slice you in half. Jason Shepard, if you're listening, yeah. that's uh, very poetic. Just, uh, just had to, but, 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 but keeping that, um, my mum my kept everything and it was fascinating to go back and start to have a look at some of the stuff that I'd done. I'm assuming with your art, you've just said you were doing things back then, which was exactly what you're doing now. Um, Parts of, and, and some things so closely linked to what I was doing as a, a younger kid. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd do it just naturally as a, as a young artist, just trying many different things out and com- combining like a bunch of styles and, and color palettes. Yep. And then I spent, you know, 10, 15 years kind of moving away or moving in different directions, trying to perfect different techniques and ideas and then found myself naturally coming back to what I was already doing and quite advanced doing when I was younger, which was really, really interesting to see and find once I got that artwork back. I was like, holy shit, this is, I've just done a rendition of this like last yeah. week and this is from 15 years ago. And had no recollection until. No, not, so that, not in that kind of way. So yeah, is that right. like a muscle memory um, style where you've done it with, you know, unconsciously thinking about it, the mind's creative and ha- holds all that structure and then you come back at what, five years later, 10 years later? 10 is to 15 it? years later. Yeah, later. Yeah. And you can replicate that because that's what's going through your mind. Is that exactly what you've seen there? Or? Yeah, maybe it's just a space that you end up uh, affording yourself. You end up in a space where you feel free and confident and you just put forward what you feel to do. And then somehow that links up to that feeling that you had when you were younger of just being free and not caring what people thought of what you were doing. Yeah, and I think as an artist, I think that's the hardest thing to actually do, especially maybe when you're starting to get paid for it or you're starting to try and make a living from it as an artist. Is that, would that be fair to say? Yeah, very fair. Like my favourite <laughs> artwork is never seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's what I do for myself experimenting in, in places. It's what's underneath a lot of the paintings that people don't get to see in the, and the process, which is my favourite part of a lot of the paintings. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you saw that painting there but from El Rock. Yeah. Yep. And I got to ask him, hey, what's the deal with the face? It must be something you know. And he's he's turned around and said, no, that I just know that face just comes to me when I'm, yeah. I'm doing art. Is that the same feelings that you get? I, I, I find it hard to believe it's not mirrored off someone. Like, I don't know. I'm not, a visual not person. Not with faces. Not, personally, not, yeah. that doesn't come that way for me with faces, but colour palettes and particular shapes, um, light sources, um, pattern, that's all just sort of, it, uh, there's just a bank in, in my brain of that stuff. And then I, can, I kind of see things before I put them down on a wall. So a, a lot of the time when I start, my process is actually to stare at a wall and I feel like I see a line come out of that wall. That's cool. And then I see another layer and another layer and another layer. Um, so I've got, uh, I guess, quite an interesting imagination or how I see things um, multi-layered, multi-dimensional sort of thing in, in front of me. When I think about it, I can kind of see it. Yeah. So so we'll get into that a bit more because I, th- I want you to explain some of your artwork a bit later on. Yeah. But if we go back to school, um, did you do art at school? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did. I did. Um, uh, and how how did that how did that go for you doing art at school? Are you like a yes, this kid's uh, talented, but doesn't uh, do the the um, doesn't apply doesn't apply himself. <laughs> like, is that is that such a normal? There were all the that's, things that's, I was reading in. I was going back through my report cards, and they're saying exactly the same stuff. Yeah, you know, JB is a very good communicating person, but if he applied himself more at his homework or schoolwork, um, he'd get better results. Yes, but a, a lot of that also is the way that we were taught and in our era we were taught in a single kind of way. There was no tailoring to certain students. It was like it was that way or that way. Yep. You go to the next teacher, they had their system of teaching yep. and if you didn't fit that and, you know, I'm not, you're like, you've got way too much energy. I've got, I'm, <laughs> normally I'm, you, you know, you're bounced off the walls, I'm bounced off the walls. <laughs> how, do you, how are you going to put me like, you know, quietly in, in a classroom? It's like, Either let me draw or let me run. You try to teach me while I'm running around, you'll get a lot out of me. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that's changed a little bit to mm. how the school patterns changed a little bit yeah. to accommodate maybe more people coming through. Um, you know, were you ever a rapper? Like, did you ever throw out lyrics? Because I, I, um, there's a few things I'm not and a singer or, like, I, I cannot sing at all. And my rapping ability is very bad, like very bad. And... I pretty much can't draw as well. So I've really got a bit of a trifecta there of things I've chosen to, you know, appreciate when I see. Yes. Appreciate yeah. when I listen and and the skill of someone that can piece together lyrics is yeah. is phenomenal. And I've just have you heard of a guy called Harry Mack? Like this guy on Instagram is a oh, I'll have dude. to look him up. He like is watching people gaming and then he just recites, goes goes through bars of. A, of a, it's incredible. Like yeah. I, I think he's amazing, and I, and I think the skill to do that is amazing. Yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of friends that are like that. I've got I've got friends, especially like back in the day when freestyling was a thing that we yeah. did every was, other day. And when you met up on a weekend, it was at Coles Park or the or Blair <laughs> National Park. And hang on, have, what's Coles Park? Which one's that? Where is Coles Park? Is that Coles Park up at Blackwood? <laughs> I don't, I don't even know if that park's there anymore. But it was just called Coles Park, right? <laughs> and that was like a meeting point. That was Friday night meeting point. You know, you have your your cart in the VB, and you just start freestyling at each other. And then you hear someone would hear about a local party, and you'd all go there as a massive posse and rock up to a party, and then and then back to the park or down to Blair National Park. So we spend, <laughs> you know. Hours just rapping, just in circles, just guys rapping at each other nonstop. So even if you were terrible at rapping, you were kind of forced in in a way, or you'd you, you know you'd give it a go. So everyone I know at that age, more or less, we all did free kicked freestyle raps. That is cool. Yes. Okay. So where did the art part come? Yeah, you know, obviously, surely you're not rapping and doing art. Surely there was a bit of a difference, or was it all blended together back then? Well, it, it would blend in a bit because you'd have, you know, you'd have your crossover and everything. Like I was b-boying at the same time, so breakdancing. That was a big part of it for me, the, the, the movement, the popping and locking, that kind of era of stuff, um, Beat Street and a few other yeah. videos with Turbo and all these other sort of dance from US, um, Rocksteady Crew. The Rocksteady and, and, Crew. And growing up. Um, with that kind of uh, aesthetic, like, like Grandmaster Flash, and yeah, 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 and 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 all that stuff. So um, that era for me was like hugely influential, and actually, it ended up um, influencing the way I paint letters drastically um, okay. in, the, in, in the years to come. But yeah, so you'd have some guys that you know you'd meet up. Some guy would bring a, a roll of um, like lino 
you'd find some cardboard, you'd have a little little slice of lino, we'd chuck that down, the B-boys were doing that, the rappers were next to it, and then the, the dudes that were going to go roll off and do some tags or go and do a piece would like it had hit a certain time, you know, something's, something's finished or lights are out and, and, and go find a little spot. So, so back in the day, um, you know, I think I don't know how prolific tagging is as much as it is. It seems to be that there is there is some places that you can go to actually put a, a nice piece. Yeah, yeah. we you know tagging has probably copped a bit of a bad um, rap. Mm. Um, and back in the day, I had a few mates that were into it used to go with them. I, once again, couldn't draw anything. I would have loved to have done something, but I just had no talent yes. at all. They're not even to write something. It was, <laughs> it's so bad. In fact, it's a lot harder than. You'd imagine as well. To get a cool style, mm. like I want a stylist to work on my autograph, actually. Like, yes. <laughs> an autograph stylist. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so when, oh. it, but when people see it, they go, oh, that's tagging. Is there some rules and regulations for where and what can get tagged? Like, not talking back in the day, I don't know what happens anymore, I'll be honest. But, you know, it used to be, hey, this is my sort of area. And I would have my tag there. The, the simple fact is, on when it comes to graffiti in a, a true sense, there is no rules. Yeah, and that is the idea, and that's up for the individual to take on how they feel and how that sits within their life. Um, but you know, I for me personally, I was I considered myself a, a beautifier. I didn't really. Th- I wasn't thinking what I was doing was like destruction so I wanted to make things look more beautiful and I think it pushed me to consider the colours that I was using I wanted to be able to paint backgrounds characters scenery do perfect fades Um, yeah completely sort of change the look of a spot whether that had explicit permission or not yeah and um, was it the bigger the better or you know what what challenges came involved with it ended up being that way yeah but in, in I guess in my era, unless you could somehow come across a, a, a lot of spray paint, it was bloody expensive. Yeah, you know, well, I, I was a I was a young kid, and some of the shops were selling paint for sixteen dollars a can. Now I don't know at that age, you know, I was lucky to have five dollars or fifty cents in my pocket. Yeah, I don't know who was buying 90s. many cans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they were always under lock and key yeah. as well. Like, I mean, this is this is going back a while for me to remember, but. If we if we have a look at some of the progression with some of the the things you've learnt at school, like talking about Sahara and you know getting your lettering right, yeah, what were you actually doing that in? Obviously, it wasn't was it in paint? Um, was it started just with pencil stuff? Yeah, and then it was sort of crepar mixture of stuff with like Posca. Um, I did a lot of stuff with watercolor just yeah. because it was super cheap. Yeah. You know, and that was your, your sort of way to be able to still express what you wanted to do. Yeah, just just learning, and then I started doing actual like pieces that were probably about two feet wide. Yeah, in like crepe. I remember doing like height pieces because Height magazine came out in nineteen ninety one, and I loved the word, and I was like, it's these little height pieces and um, a tune at the time. Yeah, it's so many different words that sort of all of us went through at the time until we sort of settled upon something that we really, I guess, could sink our teeth into letter wise and structure and style. So. Yeah, many, many different mediums, whatever got the job done, basically. So this, this day and age, everything's photographed. Mm-hmm. And um, back in the day, 
um, the, the, the police, for instance, obviously started, I can remember late in the piece, starting to get a bit of a, a prof- portfolio on who that particular person was. Yeah. And to, well, obviously they needed to catch him red-handed to improve what was that person. In this day and age, do you think they're still using that technology to, to jump on people or are people actually oh, in, trying in, to get permission? In, in, in some way, but I, I think it's just more a point of do you want to spend money in, in that way when there's so, you know, a lot of other things that actually demand that kind of um, budget and, and stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah uh, there's always going to be law enforcement on the lookout for stuff like that. And, you know, even, you know, there isn't any graffiti writer that would enjoy having their front fence tagged either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just that, that, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people that have grown up with like heavily steeped in, in that culture and, and they're keeping it going in some form within them and how they feel and want to um, express themselves. So for, for me, you know, I still have like a, a complete love for graffiti because I, I guess I see so much more to it. It is a bit more, a lot more insular in a sense than how we view street art and, and, and how, you know, people look at it in this day and age. Um, but that's mainly because people, when they look at graffiti, they either just see colour or or mess, yeah. but they don't understand structurally the years it's taken to be able to handle a can, um, the style that they're putting forward, what it says, how they've manipulated letters to create their own style that's unique from millions of artists around the world. Um, it's an extremely amazing skill and there would honestly be oil painters that can paint you dead set realistic that would not be able to do a tight graffiti piece like a lot of people out there. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, it's interesting. I, and it's I'm, like your pers- it's all perspective. I can, I can honestly say I'm one of those. And yeah. I get the hands on a can. I've, I'm like, yeah. And like, you just go to do like a line and you're like, fuck. And it's running. And it's like, oh, my God, this is a lot harder than it looks. And you watch... I got into this habit of watching, like, they were doing bomb jobs where they'd rock up and they'd quickly do a train. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, they're so talented. Like, you know, not too good for the people that maybe own a train. Yes. But it was amazing to see how quickly they could execute Mm. their piece. And and I'm assuming part of the back in the day, did you have a a go-to place where you would go to do a piece? Was there somewhere? The the idea is to spread yourself out as much as you possibly can. but also there's a simple fact, if you're a certain age, you're not going to have a car. So you're going to go for as far as you can ride your BMX. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like get one one train and a, and a, yeah. and a bus and a, and, bus. A, and, a, and a tram yeah. away and that you can be back on the last sort of yep. train home sort yep. of thing. Um, so a lot of it really, you know, was sort of territorial in that way. And then you understood that you'd start seeing guys from one end of the city completely to the other and you know that they're old enough and they cruise around or they've got an older brother or uh, got a car. So, yeah, so that's how you car. could. So you would, I'm assuming, if we're still, before we got into the school here, mm. um, you finished year 12, did you do well in art at school? I, I did well in what would be considered well when I was in like primary school and early sort of high school. Um <laughs> But I probably didn't apply myself in the way that teachers wanted me to sort of from the middle of high school. Um, I became 100% obsessed with graffiti and everything I did had graffiti slant, graffiti style. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to paint canvases with spray paint at school while I was there. 
I wanted to paint the art room and I ended up doing that. I painted the lunch shed <laughs> with, with pieces. I painted half the school. That was like, <laughs> at that stage, it just got like really full on. It's like all I wanted to do, like 20, well, was that in basketball? That's an, another side of my life that's, um, was massive for me. Um, I, I grew up kind of, you know, dreaming of wanting to be an NBA player. Well, you were in a Jordan era, like it was. Uh, oh yeah. So yeah. it was achievable. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, you know, um, s- Sunday morning was watching the the best um, NBA game yep. of the week, yep. and I still got to see some, you know, Doctor J. Dr. J games yeah, and with Kareem and, and, and that kind of era and, and bird playing. Because if it was the game of the week, undoubtedly it was bloody uh, Celtic 76ers, yep. uh, Chicago, because Jordan or the Lakers, yep. you know, well, Pistons. And you're playing NBA Jam. Yeah, a, a, a little bit. I was never a video game dude. Wow. I, I, I loved watching it. Like my friends were like fanatics for video games, but I always – took a, a step back while they were playing video games i'd have like a, a a pad and a pen and i'd be either practicing script letters and um and just designing pieces and, and themes and characters so i was i was very tactile I'd, I'd just rather do that than play video so you have your own books now do you like do you i'm assuming you would have had some nice books so you keep them together oh you or? did you did back in the day it was like a big thing like having a sketchbook and, anymore and, no no nah. No, like I, with the amount of time that would take me to do a sketch that I want to do that I used to spend doing in a book, yeah. I'd like do a, a piece for like five or six hours. It's like, if I've got five or six hours, I want to go paint the wall, <laughs> you know? I'm, That's so I'm not cool. going to sit there and, and, and do that. If I've got a chance to express myself, it's it's out there. So we do that. Yeah, that I is- hardly draw anything. I don't even, um, a lot of my sketches for doing walls they're very quick compositions and then it's really just finding what's happening at the wall at the time so in adelaide um or maybe not adelaide let's say australia yeah who do you think is like um the most admired street art other than yourself yeah so oh, i mean i'm like I'm, it, I'm i'm of, i'm of a certain caliber but I've, i definitely haven't uh peaked in my own sense i think because i've been around long enough and I'm still striving to get better at my my craft but I don't by any means consider myself like one of the the best I'm I'm good at what I do and I realize that um but I think there's a lot of other people that have just got something extra or their talents are extraordinary I'm just a very hard worker yeah I'm a grinder (laughs) <laughs> so who, who do you think who, who do you admire in a as an Aussie street artist? Is there someone that that comes to mind that you're like, damn, so that's many, a, there's yeah, so this, so many. This might be a, well, um, why are you it, thinking it, of that? Yeah. Um, what impact do you reckon um, the Everfresh crew made on um, Oz streets? Oh, uh, on like the Oz ab- street ab- art, absolutely art massive. They, I, I guess, in the way that they set themselves up and they structured themselves as a collective they kind of set the bar for um, Australian collectives in, in that kind of way because the idea of having a, a crew, like from graffiti to everything else, you have a, you know, a group of people that work towards a certain sort of goal, but there might only be sort of two or three people at a time working with each other. Everfresh, Everfresh from the start, based themselves in the, the same building. When they did work together, they would do it together 
you know, between five and, and ten artists at a time. And they were basically just packed themselves in and creatively worked for at least 12 hours a day every day of the week and then would go out at night time and put up their posters and do numerous other things all night long. So I think they just pushed so hard and so fast that it's no wonder that so many people from that collective have just excelled but on, on a world scale. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're a perfect example of like, you know, sort of elite when were they formed like that they're going back a long time i God, when was it actual, 90s or uh it it would have I'm, I'm sure it would have been just after mid 90s yeah maybe like 96 97 and there would have been a few of them that have already like either doing graffiti together or came from the same like um art school and bits and pieces and then a couple of them sort of hang out and then a couple more meet up with each other and then all of a sudden they're in the you know same studio together and, and producing incredible sort of stuff pretty crazy that you know all from australia as well so yeah oh yeah which, which I, I think when you look at what has happened with the scene here mm. i think the street art like you're talking now has been a lot more accepted in mm. society in regards to beautifying um you know, certain buildings or certain roads or streetscapes or yeah, and what's deemed as something that's good for the community. Yeah, well, yeah. that's well, that's exactly, and it, it happens to be amazing street art. Yeah, and it's not necessarily pictures or portraits. It could be you know lines or you know that's you with some of your stuff. We talk mm. about crystals. How you can imagine like a crystal when you sort of move it around. The different facets. Yeah, and, that's and how where the light hits it. And, yeah, know. and that's how I see a lot of your work and so, a mm. lot of your work that's on buildings yes has that style where you can see that it looks oh okay and then when you when you mention that it's like oh yeah that totally makes sense of yeah. why yeah and the lighting that gives you that yes yeah and I, and I guess like sort of high contrast stuff and um i enjoy colorful stuff yeah, yeah I, clearly. I, I like it <laughs> I, I like it punchy and 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 vibrant but also there's a a bit of a message in why i've kind of used those sort of stronger palettes i haven't always liked to classically take a portrait and use the correct toning as such i've liked the idea of um one of the things that i did when i left school i, I did visual arts i did visual arts for like six months i lasted six months and didn't know while i was there i just got bored i wanted to do graffiti and run around and so i tried my hand i, I was um doing a, a clothing label at the time called materialism with a couple of mates and i went to tafe and i did um pattern making and and I think I lasted for six months doing clothing design. Like T-shirts and stuff? Or yeah, T-shirts, all, all like sorts act, of stuff. Like, like, I, well, like, I, I ended up <laughs> being in the rag trade for 10 years and um, designing like boom skateboards and clothing apparel and backpacks and socks and jeans, <laughs> jackets, hats, like a hundred odd, odd Really? Odd, odd well, so this is back I did that the, for years. So is this in the 90s? No, um, early, early 2000s. Yeah. So I started printing my first T-shirts in uh, end of 99, just before I went away to um, Europe for the first time. Yeah. So talking about travelling, um, you've travelled a lot since uh, after finishing schools. So we've got it as around 40 countries that you've actually travelled to. Yeah. I, I actually have to pull out my um, – I've got <laughs> – I think I've filled like two passports onto my third one. So I have to kind of pull it out and remind myself – 
because you know especially when you go to europe it's kind of fun you kind of feel like you're cheating sometimes you're like just on a train on a train on a fast train for a, an, an hour and 15 minutes and you're apparently in another country but you get that stamp you're like i've been to another country <laughs> but but yeah a lot a lot of places i started off in europe actually landed in um London on the 4th of January um, 2000 to meet up with my brother. He'd been over there for quite a while and that ended up being just, I don't know, such a, a weird way to – I literally thought I was going to get to London, hang out with my brother for about a week and we planned to go to like Chamonix to, to go yeah, snowboarding Yeah, because I've got like a background of like surfing, skating. I was just a part of it. Like everything sporty, active. That's you, just, yeah, active, everything. doing something. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, rolled up. My brother literally just got kicked out of the place that he was staying because his friend's mum just turned up and he got the boot. Because no, in, room. In London, there's no, no room. room. There's no room. So he got the boot. So I got to London. I went back to this place where he was staying, picked up his bag, and we walked the streets and he just tried to call a couple of his friends to hang out. And I remember you'd you travel overseas and the first thing you'd get would be like a 2.5 bottle of spirits. You know what I mean? <laughs> natural, and, natural. And I just remember like hocking swigs of, of spirits as I sort of walked around the streets for hours. Ended up crashing on the floor of like a girl's place that he was he worked with the first night and the second night kind of the same but someone else's place. And you'd just be walking around for hours. And then by the end of the week... Um, I'd spent all all my savings to go over to get a place for him and me, and I started working. I w- started working seventy hours in a in a pub, <laughs> so it kind of got completely flipped, and um, and then yeah, ended up like sort of doing cooking and 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 bar service for about four odd months before I went off to the rest of Europe to sort of regain a, a little bit of cash to, to get around. Not that you're getting paid. I mean, getting paid like four peanuts, four pound but 10p an hour. It makes a difference earning their money rather than taking it. Oh, yeah. Yes. With um, yeah. When you went overseas for the first time, did you know, really start to see that the art was different all around the world? Is that something that, that came to light or it, not? Yeah, it was the game changer for me, basically. So I got to meet up with, I guess, um, really amazing crew when I was actually in London and, and got to do a bit of painting there. But it was when I actually went out to Frankfurt and then on to Wiesbaden, there was a, a jam called um, Wall Street Meeting. Yeah. And it's at this place called the Schlechter. It's an old abattoir. And um, it was the last time that this event was going to be held at the capacity that it had normally been held at. They were going to, I think they ended up demolishing three quarters of this abattoir. So um, on this one weekend or rock up on like, on a Friday, got the um, train out to Wiesbaden and there ended up being over five and a half thousand graffiti writers from and street artists from around the world and a lot of the world's best in all their fields from every country going there at that time. So all my childhood superheroes, all the biggest names in Europe at the time, all their painting at the same place. Yeah, and it's cool. Crazy. Do you have photos like, and that stuff? My, absolutely my blood. Yeah, yeah. Like sh- so many photos, so many photos. So I ended up painting in this like little corner. I ended up meeting up with some guys from Frankfurt and a couple of um, Polish guys and just random people along the way. Ended up getting quite a good spot to paint. And there was a, an old school French uh, guy 
um, from Paris, uh, Latrouk. Le, he saw my my style and he was like, "I really like your stuff. Looks really unique. Like, where are you from? Yeah, I'm, I'm Australian." I was like, "Super gangly." Are there any other Aussies looking. there? Probably not. No, not there. No, I was the only Aussie there at the time. There, there were other Aussies that had been to that event the year before, like maybe one. Like each year there might be one. You're maybe. the token Aussie. I'm the, just the token Aussie <laughs> Aussie bloke. So he said, I want to introduce you to a couple of friends of mine. And he walks me over and I'm like walking up to this wall and I'm like, holy shit. This is like toast, sweat, um, can two, scene. All these guys from this, like these crews that I was just like, as a kid, I was just like, these are the gods. So you've right? seen them in all the hype mag, all the, all the. In everything, all the books <laughs> that I've bought, I've just spent, you know, years studying their work and just walks me up and just introduces me one after the other to each one of these guys. And then it ended up just being super nice, like super chill, super nice. They came over and met me later. And then, you know, you when you do the the whole track and walk around the whole track it was like just the who's who yeah the who's who and actually a lot of the guys that are doing still doing the biggest works and the most kind of accomplished artists um in the world and who have gone on to be like quite high level in the fine art field were there on that weekend but it turned into complete mayhem by the end of the weekend i could imagine there was a train the the words (laughs) button you got off at the train station and there was actually a yard there and it ended up being like riot with the police with about 5,000 riders, Molotov cocktails, <laughs> shit on fire. And there was about 50 or 60 guys painting trains in the yard with the police watching them because it was just out of control. But just a crazy experience, just super crazy. And that was my first, I've just gone to Europe and that's the first. And this is what they days. do over here. Uh, I'm here. Just like mind, sort of mind bending. Um, but I, I guess we're at the point that I wanted to make was that I just got to see that my superheroes were real. normal people. Yeah. They were real yeah. people. And sometimes you would imagine you see this the scale of the works that they'd paint and you go, are they like 10 feet tall? Are they like, <laughs> you know, these like giants that do this stuff? And a lot of the time they weren't. They were <laughs> tiny, you know, except for a few of them. There was a couple of tall guys, but there was a lot of guys and you're like, man, these dudes are just like, they're batting high. They're just going, they're all out. They're amazing. So that was like a huge, um, a massive influence in my life. And from that one event, I basically got invited all around Europe to be part of like a, uh, either hip hop summits, street art events or graffiti events yep. in like all these different countries and basically just went on a, on a tour for like three and a half months. So they, so to get invited to that, you obviously have to be invited by someone. I'm assuming it's someone in the group or you can't, yeah, you just rocked up and got lucky. Yeah, I, I got lucky. but It's a right I, place, right I guess time, huh? even the, the people that were the organisers of these events, because this was the last one, they were all there as well. So they got to see my artwork and they were like, yeah, come out. Come out. Or one of the, or one of the graffiti writers, I remember um, a, a guy from New York, like a really famous graffiti artist, T-Kid, he took me under his wing. He just, I don't know, we caught each other's eyes a couple of times and just chatted a few times while we're out in Germany. And he was like, come and paint in Vienna with me. Come and do, do this. I'll get you on this event. And then I'd end up going to these places and painting with these other really amazing artists. And it just kept on snowballing from place to place. And then... Um, cool I, style, T-Kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really full on. Um, right. But old school, like as yeah, as well, like he's school. been doing it from since the seventies. Um, 
And then, you know, how I, I said that I, I met a guy named uh, Toast. Yeah. He was from a crew called TWS in no, I can't look up Toast because I'm assuming um, that nothing's going to come up. I know it will come up, a whole lot of bread. <laughs> or, or, or Toast. Maybe you can put in Toast 1 Graffiti and you, you might see... You might see something, but he—he's—he's he's an art super freak. If you ask anyone in the world in my field about Toast One, especially coming from graffiti and the type of stuff that he painted, he's like just a super freak. He can use any any medium and be better at you than any medium. <laughs> he's just nuts. So it, it was funny. I met him when we were in Wiesbaden, yep. and he said, "If you ever come back to Europe, stay in touch, and you can come out to um, to, to Basel." And, and stay with me, you know, we'll, we'll hang out. And you're like. So then the next time I go back to Europe, I'm back there two years later, I hit him up and we'd been staying in contact ever since. He's like, well, come stay at my place. And I think that was maybe the most defining um, period in my career because that was the time that I got to see an artist that loved his graffiti, could do all this different stuff. He was fine art trained, um, incredibly talented in every direction. He had a, um, a graphic design studio. He had 10 people working under him, but he spent most of his days, sort of half of his days, he'd go for a walk to a pool or, or go down to the, the river. He'd go do a little piece. He'd stay in touch with something and then he'd just, he'd just have his Mac laptop, right? Just cruise around with his Mac laptop, sit down and he'd punch out these incredible designs hit send, boom, that's off to a client somewhere, get this website finished up, whatever else. And I was like, is this what you do? Is this your life? <laughs> Living just in a sick place. And I was just like, holy shit, I want to do that. That was the moment where I was like, I'm going to try to model the idea. I'd love to be able to do that. I'd love to get to the point to work for myself, to push the things that I love and just do that. So I just chipped away for, for years and until I was sort of walking around choosing what I wanted to do with my Mac laptop in my bag. So that's so cool. And it, yeah, every, every single person that's come on here has basically had a, a situation where they have put themselves out mm. and have re re reaped the benefit of uh, re reaped it in, in spades because yeah. they've actually gone and put themselves outside of their comfort zone or in that sort of environment. Mm. And that's exactly what you've done. And interestingly with this guy, he, he draws toast as well. Like actually, yeah. actually, yeah. he actually draws <laughs> like pieces of toast with like legs and stuff like that. Like it's, it's quite a cool style. But there's like a whole, whole, he's got books that are out, but it's under his like, his actual name, Atta Toast Bizarchi. Um, but yeah, he's got multiple books. So, so when you mean fine art, what did you say? You said fine art. I mean, art. yeah, f fine art, like classically so, trained. So, so that, so the, do you, there is obviously you have a core street artist that's had probably no fine art training. Yeah, heaps. Yep. Heaps At just sort of come from graffiti backgrounds. There's a, a, a handful of people now that come straight from fine art training, but they've done graffiti, gone into fine art training, and then ha when they come out the other end, they're like unbelievable because they, they, understand art in such way but they've already got the ability to use the tools before they went in there yeah so it's kind of is it kind of like uh it's a bit harder with more creative it's it's kind mm. of like getting a degree in a something specific to potentially you meant to know more about it yeah technically yes uh, like 
that's the aim. Yeah, and, and just uh, understand your aesthetic and why you're doing it. Have, um, I guess, your your themes and a lot more understanding behind why you are doing what you're doing rather than just like whipping something up and not understanding why it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this works or not. Yeah. They're like, everything I do has meaning and they know it works. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, so if you go over, so you're talking a long time ago when you're overseas. Yeah. And you're learning with, like, your idols. Uh, it's like anything if you talk about... We just re- recently had a guy called Vin, Vin Zhang, and he he talked about... Uh, he does public keynotes now, but yeah. he's a magician, Adelaide guy. Okay. And he talked about surrounding yourself with the top five people are, like, and 20% of each, each of them is yep. you. And it's so true. So if you want to change your scenario, your situation, mm. your surroundings, you should go and put yourself out with people that you either aspire to or want to learn from. And you've just literally walked into a whole bunch of yes. uh, of like the best graffiti artists on the planet and put yourself in a situation where you can absorb something from each of those. Yeah. And it's it's so true. I think you have to yeah. get there to to do it. Yes. For, uh, yeah. I, I mean, when I was a when I was a young kid <clears throat> My way of putting myself in that room was uh, standing five meters back from um, Cab One Hundred and One or from Massacre um, or Rank or the, like any anyone from the TDC crew. Yep. Um, watching guys at like a far superior level in the way that they paint their line work and the finishing quality of their work. Um, you know, CSI crew. Um, a, a lot of the guys who just did super proficient graffiti from like way, way back, they'd still be considered like highly good at what was painted, you know, 30 years ago to what's going on now. Um, okay. Even, so, yeah. okay. So just taking that into perspective, you're 30 years ago producing the, the same style or maybe not same style, but the, the same skill level as what's produced now. So is that... So oh, no, saying? Like some, no, I'm saying some of the guys that I was <clears throat> watching paint and, and, and looking at, they have like had such a high level back in the day that it's comparable to stuff that's done now. Yeah. And they were the guys that I was interested in watching. And if I ever got, get to, if I ever got to see them paint like on Rundle Street, do you remember that old basketball court where the, the, the Liberty Wall was on Rundle Street? You ever remember that? Rundle Street, yeah, I'm with you. There used to be this sort of vacant lot, a building that was knocked out. It ended up becoming like a three-on-three basketball court and there's a like a Liberty Wall yeah, yeah. and there was yeah. a painting yeah. of like a Felix yeah. the Cat there yeah. and, and all this stuff. The guys that used to paint that, um, you know, if I'd ever catch them painting, I'd just stand there for hours if I could and just watch what they were doing and like study what caps they were putting on the cans, what brands of paint how their body mechanics were how they were moving how fast they were doing things um their color combinations you know that all these techniques like i was just an absolute sponge yeah i was gonna say you tag should have been sponge it's got some cool cool lettering too like you know the s i think i think the s dollar sign uh, yes (laughs) the s dollar sign yeah that's why i'm not an artist um (laughs) totally why i'm not an artist i'll give you the red hot tip um you know talk about watching art yeah um you know uh, uh, they talk about um yeah they they talk about like um 
you know, you sit there and look at, at art of watching paint dry. Um, it's not a good term, but you can sit there and watch an artist do portrait or a wall piece. Or is there something recently that you've actually watched and thought, yeah, that 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 made me feel like I'm alive again? I I think watching the guys who paint off the ground with like roller poles and extensions that are put together or seven metre poles and they dip the paintbrush in a little bucket seven metres away and then prop it back up and <laughs> like watching my mate Hitness paint from Italy like it it's so crazy like he'll he'll sit on like an A-frame ladder a seven metre A-frame ladder at the top with a seven metre pole with a tiny little brush on the end of it and dip it and then pull it back up and he's just doing looks like his hands just squiggling around and he's doing this like craziest artwork all this technical sort of watercolor painting all this layered stuff yeah half the time you'll do stuff like that from like ground ground level all this like mad stuff um so there's a there's a whole bunch of artists that i think these days when i see the guys doing work with brushes and other techniques because I, I i understand the aerosol stuff i'm like all over all over that side of things so when i'm watching something that i know that I couldn't do. I think I, I get totally bedazzled. And when it comes to that kind of physicality and just understanding your craft so well and being dialed in with something, an extension that's seven meters long, imagine having to no seven I meters can't. away from you. No, I and I, you're not you're not you're not out from the wall. You're directly underneath it, so you're not you're hardly seeing. You're not seeing it from straight on. You've got to guess that perspective and keep that line work on and keep those layers going. It's oh, freaky. It's definitely not me. But while we're talking about walls. Yeah. You had a, I don't know if you helped run or you ran the Wonderwalls, um, which yeah, was Port, um, Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide. Was, was my, my baby. Was that, your first, um, was that your first movement into a wall style Fes festival? festival? Yeah, ab was absolutely. Yeah. Look, it was something that I wanted to do for about a, a decade. And this all it comes off the back of exactly what I was talking to you about while I was in Europe. I'm going to all these festivals. I'm a part of these festivals. I'm seeing the best artists in the world painting at them. And I'm like, this has inspired me so beyond. I never would have got to the level that I've got to unless I'd actually been able to witness these people painting, see their technique, see what they're doing and be able to talk to them. I wouldn't have had the confidence or it would have taken me a lot longer to wrap my head around bringing that kind of scale of, of, of painting walls um, to Australia. Yeah, And then... I was like, at some stage, if I've got a chance to do it, I, I want to um, be able to bring the world's best here and hopefully that has a flow-on effect like it did with me and we'd start like a really strong right. movement locally. <laughs> yeah, and local that, was the, that was the whole idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that first one was like 2017? 15. 15. 2015. Yeah. And did you get any big names like say, yeah, yeah, we're going to, we'll see you there, fans. Did you? Yeah, big, biggest biggest names at the time. Um, Etam Crew were kind of like the biggest thing in street art at the at the time in 2015. Uh, they're still like. Who are they? Hello. Uh, Etam Crew, E-T-A-M, two guys from um, Poland, uh, Sena and Best. Um, Crazy stuff. Crazy. Yeah. Like the O, they're like amazing. Um, they... When, uh, they, when they work together, they're called Etam, but they do a lot of solo work as well. But, um, yeah, they're the guys that I had paint uh, one side of that old Marine Harbours building, yeah. the, the yeah, 10-story yeah. no, there. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then on the other side, I had um, Askew and Deus from New Zealand who are like crew members of uh, that I'm in the same crew as them, TMD. TMD. Yeah, the most dedicated. Ah, that's pretty cool. That's that's actually yeah. pretty apparent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a whole collective of incredible artists in New Zealand and um, there's uh, three artists from Germany that are part of that collective and then another artist from um, uh, Australia, uh, Soffles, that you would have oh, heard about. Oh. He's part of TMD as well. So oh my God. it's a crazy I, collective. I've got to crazy say, collective. can I say a Soffles story? Yeah. Go All on. right, so I've, I've got a mate, Ben, He's an uh, he he loves listening to the podcast. He was so he's actually sent through lots of questions. For oh you, right? right, okay. And we rocked up to that same place. I bought my piece, and he was just in awe. Sophos Pub- published art house. Yeah, published yeah. at the published art house. That's right. Which is what I put together. Yeah, no shit. Yes. So that that whole tag and 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 that logo that that name that that came through me and working with like um, Peter Buick. He let me sort of go hard in in what was like the old car park and we turned it into published art house. Oh, and it was fucking cool. Yes. Like, uh, and I got, yeah. I got, because what people didn't see there was all the part you couldn't see, there was where they were, half the dudes were staying. So yes. it was some intense graffiti yes. through yeah. uh, um, through the place. Like um, there was this guy. Because I brought the Iron Lake crew over. That's so yeah, okay. that, that no show shit. was like to bring out the uh, the Australian Iron Lake crew, and that's why we all painted that wall at the end, and then we all had um, like canvases and other stuff. That yeah, was, you had your uh, stuff that you had to yeah. hang up, and and there's a piece there. My mate was just he was just staring at like and it was a, it was a it wasn't as um, clear cut as some of the Soffles pieces these days. Yes. It was like it looked like a bit of an alien thing. Yeah, and in the end, he was in love with it. And I, he, he, he came, we came back to it, had a red thing on it. And he's like, oh, fuck. You know, he was never going to fucking buy it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so I bought it for him for his birthday. Oh, and and he, he just said to me, he said, look, I don't have a place for that now. And I said, oh, I'll keep it. You tell me when you're at the place. And yeah. I know, a few years ago, he, <clears throat> he rang me up and he said, I've got the, I've got the room. So awesome. I've, I've got a place. And, and I gave it to him as a, as a. It's a tearful moment, but <laughs> that made me like what that made me check into Sophos. Sophos is fucking killing it right now, from what I've seen in the, what he produces and what you see on Instagram and stuff like that. He, he's he's like a one in a billion. He, he is crazy, huh? He's not like one in a million. He's like a one in a billion. <laughs> um, there's only literally when I talk about certain like leagues of artists who are like sort of crossover between. Uh, finer art or muralism and graffiti toast was one of those guys that everything he touched was like gold softs is like just a super freak he's the equivalent of three human beings in one and i've only really met maybe one person who can paint as fast but not as proficient as him he paints with both hands very very proficiently and he's got an ability that I've never seen in, an, in another artist. And it's like he's got an image loaded in his head and he can paint like a, almost like a, a, a printer in a sense that it already knows what file is coming out. And there's so many times I watch him paint and he's not even looking at the wall. He'll have a conversation and he's just <laughs> slash. He'll just be. <laughs> and then all of a sudden this thing just like comes out of the wall and you're like. Holy shit, dude! He's like a super freak, super freak. Never seen anything like it, and that's why he's you know obviously become so popular in 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 many ways. And 
he's got so far to go as well. Like every time he just applies himself at like a new skill set, he just he he just he can perfect it. Like he's crazy. We haven't seen the best of what he can do. He'll, he'll spend the next ten years getting even better and just blowing people away. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how old he is, but is there a age with artists uh, where you think um, that where they they get better or mature or I, I don't know I, with. Well, they say they say for artists that the the real maturing in a fight aren't sense, and when they go back through history, that the the, the mid forties is supposed to be like the sweet spot. But in terms of graffiti, that sweet spot is probably more in your thirties to mid thirties, thirty to thirty five, um, because you still have the vitality. Once you get to like forty, forty five. You just start, your body just starts going, oh, mate, I can't handle this. I can't, I can't stay out as long. I can't be bothered painting as long. You've got all sorts of like funny injuries and RSI with your hand. Because it you is know. punishing. Um, it's much more punishing than you'd oh. ever um, imagine. And, and, you know, even, you know, you've got these handheld spray guns and things that you're holding above your head, away from your body for hours in a day. And there's times, there was this job that I did in Port Pirie and I was using the spray gun and my hand locked onto the spray gun and my arm collapsed in like a robotic collapse and locked in and I was stuck there for half an hour, just locked in my body. I couldn't do anything. Couldn't pull it out. It was stuck. Is this real? Yeah. Completely like muscle locked. So you just cook yourself. I, yeah, um, you, uh, we we all damage like a <laughs> damage your fingers, like the nerve endings yeah. on your fingers from the the nozzles. There's, I, I guess, a, a lot of um, you know to do your, your back, knees, shoulders, the the type of movement, the jumping around, the climbing. It's yeah, it's pretty hardcore. Fucking injuries, and that's not being chased by the cops. No, that, I mean, that's that's after dark. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Wonder Walls. Yes, uh, down at the port. Yep. And I believe there's still beautiful art left there from... Yeah, well, we, we ended up doing 2015, <laughs> yes. 2017, 19, and 20. And 220? Yeah. No, you didn't. When did you do that? I I got within within the day. The, the, the Monday after was the... COVID. Time to... Yeah, or the, the following week. No shit. Yeah, that was, that was it. Because I... I, and and anyone that um, knows that the port that port there's massive pieces down there now. Yeah, um, there's there's still um, more than seventy five works standing from Wonderwall's festivals alone. That is that is freaking awesome. But and talking about getting festivals, you've brought some rock stars to this cut to Adelaide, yes. which is such a you know Adelaide's underrated. Like it bats above its weight in many many ways. Yeah, it does. And you got a new event you're putting on the big. Picture Fest. Yes. So talk that's, us that's through. My baby. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about yeah. the Big Picture Fest. And I'm assuming it's got something to do with big pictures at a festival. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? It's like <laughs> I, I tried to keep pretty, it pretty simple. <laughs> All simple people like me understand. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. It's got that twofold sort of thing. It's it's talking about in the sense of the bigger picture in life, and obviously lends itself to you know just seeing large scale pictures on on walls so hence the name um 
It's a very um, <laughs> artist-driven festival. So I guess there's been a lot of festivals that go for more artists yep. and maybe less pay, whereas I went for less artists and appropriate pay. So that was sort of my model for Big Picture Fest. Um, so I'd condense the amount of artists so that we could look after artists really well, that they'd be paid appropriately for the work that they're doing and um, keep it, yeah, quite insular and just keep it moving. Chop away the, the fat away from a, a, a festival. It yep. doesn't always have to have all the massive bells and whistles, but at the end of the day you're going to be left with like, you know, 12 to 15 hardcore pieces in the street. So whereabouts, um, whereabouts uh, you've just had one? My yeah, I yep. did, but I'll start for, like in 2018, I started in Frankston actually. Yep. Um, yeah, rolled out one in, in Frankston and then in, in the following year we did in Frankston again and then I ended up doing uh, one in Port Pirie. Port Pirie? Is, yeah, did, did Pirie. Uh, so what made you pick Port Pirie? It was funny. I, I ended up getting a commission down there and painted a, a large wall down there myself. And then I was just talking to council and said, "Look, I'm doing big picture fest. If there's an opportunity to get funding for something like this down the line, let's let's see. We'll do like a a smaller version of it. You know, we end up having like six artists, and most of them kind of are local. And and let's roll something out here and see if we can get a little bit of interest drummed up around it. So we did Port Pirie. And then the following year, I um, teamed up with Sala, and I um, had artists painting across ten council areas. Um, yeah, teamed up with ten councils and, and rolled out uh, a big picture time Sala um, during that whole month of, of Sala Festival. So, why why aren't you doing this? Why why are they not letting you do this like in Adelaide City? I have. Like, oh, well, you never know. It's around the corner. Uh, <laughs> you never know. Never know. But what I just but, what I just finished was the Newcastle Festival. So I, I teamed up with a, an amazing lady, um, Becky, um, from Newcastle Afoot. We worked on um, getting some funding together and um, we just rolled out a, an incredible um, week over in Newcastle. Um, just two, two weeks ago we finished up. So, yeah, it was um, amazing. And it was quite unique um, for Newcastle because it was the first time that I literally couldn't have an international artist come and paint on Big Picture Fest. Yeah. I'd had like big namers, like two or three big namers on each one of the Big Picture Fests, especially in like uh, Frankston. Um, uh, each year we always have like two or three internationals sort of come out for that. Last year we had um, uh, world-renowned guys, Pitchy and Arvo, known as Pitchy Arvo, and uh, another artist named Vesod. Have a have a quick look at Vesod from Turin, Italy. Vesod, V E S O D, and what he does is just so mind blowing. So an, another thing that I like to do, I like to try to pick up. Oh, see. I like to pick up international artists when I feel like they're really at the height of is their this Vesod, career. Or is this no? No, no, that's not it. What do you got? Vesod Street oh. Art. Yeah, why should, what? Oh, okay, Vesod. Like crazy. Right. Anyway, so, yeah, he was over in, um, well, I ended up having them. Bam, okay. Yeah, had yep. them over here for Wonderwalls. Um, and then I took them over to Frankston um, and they painted in the Frankston Big, Big Pitch Fest earlier this year. The, and it's so crazy. Like I've ended up having, I put on three festivals this year during COVID and I'm one of the only people that's managed to get them out. Everyone else had to cancel because of the timing of their festivals. I got 
Yeah. And your timings just slid in. Just slid in. Uh, uh, even to the point that, you know, for me to go to Newcastle, the borders only opened the Thursday before I had to go there on the Sunday. The Thursday before it opened up so that I could actually, actually be at my own event. So when we look at um, up-and-coming artists yeah, uh, that have that style that you've been talking about, is there anyone in particular that comes to mind that you see as up and coming as, oh, you know, that's actually like, you, you mentioned Soffles. Oh, um, yeah, But yeah, maybe yeah. he's not up and coming. So He's I, definitely not up, so, up and coming. But so I mean, why are we talking in, about yeah. Soffles? Yeah. There's that piece um, that I said that looked like it was following him around. I was trying to figure out what it was. Yeah, hy- hyperlapse. Yeah, hyperlapse. And that that piece, who who actually did, did that? Uh, Selena Miles. So that yeah, Selena Miles that piece. Yes. And, I won't lie, we watched a little bit of it before. It's freaking yeah. unbelievable. Yes. And we'll overlay it so we can see it, even if we have this as a snap for sure. But yeah. when we talk about how that was done, can you talk me through how the hell that was actually filmed? Do you know? So, yeah, m- meticulously, especially with the initial ones that she did of um, Soffles and, and the boys, she meticulously moved it an inch by inch at a time and adjusted the height of a just a, a simple tripod like this. There was no sort of running tracks and all the tricks that, you know, producers would use now. It was on the fly and she had to move it every 90 seconds and the the scenes with all the artists painting, they just had to paint continuously and if she moved past them, then they'd miss it. So they'd have to paint extremely fast the- and, and to a time limit. It's like, I'm going to be on that end over there in five minutes. You have to have this whole section painted. And and just move around the spot. So they they ended up. I think they filmed that uh, that particular one we were having a look at over a month in um, a factory in Brisbane. A month. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. The footage yeah. is awesome, and it's fair to say I've, that's that's where I sort of seen that piece that follows Soffles around for a piece. Yeah. That well, that's a, a different one, but that's the one in Melbourne. Yeah, the one in Melbourne. Still Selena. Like looks like riding a bike and then piece. Yeah. And it goes around a corner yeah. and it's like a one. What's it called when it's all one? One take. One yeah, take. just all in one take. Uh, it's yeah. Extremely cool, and I yeah. think a great way to show off some art. Uh, yes. I think in that street art and that style. Well, um, it gives it gives it the the kind of more true essence of the sort of where it came from and the more uh, Ill- illegal sort of guerrilla side of street art. And when it sort of first went up, it's like you've got to get it done quickly and it's uh, there's a lot of energy to it. It's like rushing up to a spot. It's running out of a spot and, and always on the move. So I think it captures that perfectly. And it kind of does capture, you know, a back in the day when you'd have to do a piece exceptionally quick. Yeah. Or you would get caught. Yeah, <laughs> or you're lucky, or just very smart, or whatever, whatever it was. Um, so obviously, you know, we, we've come a long way in regards to seeing some of the art that's happened um, that that's you've been involved with, and you've been involved with some of the biggest players on the planet. You've, what's even better is if you've you've brought them here to South Australia. Yeah, and massive part. Uh, and I'm assuming once they're here, I'll put money on they've enjoyed what happens here in SA. Like we, we have a pretty cool place to go. We, we, we do. Probably the, the one thing that's really hard, when you have like an international superstar come down, they're already booked for a job three days later. So you kind of hope that they get their work done on time and you can take them out into the, the, the bush somewhere or sh- take them to a winery or just show them a, li- a different side of things. But 
you know, when we were talking about um, Sainat and Best coming down, the Etam guys in 2015, yeah. we, I think the weekend we finished up, we did it in January that year and it was bloody hot. It was like 39 degrees yeah. every day at least. And um, they left on, um, I think, uh, towards the end of January. We got to, we hung out and, and played beer pong. We, we had played a game of cricket in the street down at Glenelg and took them to the beach. And they just had an incredible time. And I, and I think that really stuck with them because they, you know, especially coming from Poland, like Warsaw, a really yeah. cold Eastern European place, that was the hottest that they'd painted in, you know, like freezing, it was pretty to say extreme. That. So, um, yeah, we try to show them a, a good time and, and take care of them when they're down. Yeah. Um, we, we talk about some of the things that you've done. Mm. Um, your mural oasis, you're involved in that in November in 2019. Yeah. Um, 19, 2019 in Nevada. Yeah. Craziest project so, I've ever been on. <laughs> so, it just was mind boggling. So, so uh, there are 34 mural artists yep. from around the globe yeah and and literally a lot of the best of of what's going around around the world so it was crazy it, it, it was so funny at the time they rolled it out in three sections and i think there was maybe only like five to seven artists in the in the first series of it they rolled out a lot of these really massive outdoor pieces at this one particular spot in uh, prim nevada and I reckon when that video content went out all around the world, every single artist in the field was like, oh, my God, I'd love to get the opportunity to have a go. <laughs> Everyone, like 100% of, of, of the arts people in my field would be like, I would love to be invited to that project. And then they had like a second series. And I was like, oh, my God, it's just stepping up like another notch, another notch. And then, um, yeah, I got the... The invite to go along and really seize the opportunity. I, I sort of went there with the goal in mind to paint um, the best things that I'd ever done. So and I think I achieved talk, that from talk, my personal. Yeah, point obviously, of view. people can't see this, but yeah. you know, with that one particular, there's 127 murals yeah. done throughout a mall. Or yeah, it, yeah? It, or, it's, <laughs> it's like a massive kind of strip mall, and. What they did, they stripped all the billboards on the outside back to white. So there was hardly um, any advertising left. I mean, they had seven-story billboard walls on the outside and then they just became canvases for like the top street art artists around the world. And um, we, Every artist painted between two, or two to three um, artworks and I painted, yeah, painted three works, a four-story um, internal wall like it's really big, like yeah. Yeah, four-story in, internal. <laughs> and then I did a, another wall on the outside, which was four stories high by 38 metres long, so the equivalent of like a nine-story wall. So getting the perspective right for that, mm -hmm. obviously that takes that takes a lot of skill. Like alone, if I, I've got a whole level here, yeah, I'm assuming this is part here. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you can see that, but, you know, there's they're getting the eyes and, and you know, that, that takes... A certain amount of skill there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of tricks ar around it now and and you, you do have to use some form of a, a grid to sort of know where you're going um and then it sort of comes down to your skill of actually being able to get an eye right or the tilt of lines because you can make mistakes very easily in large scale yeah 
And, you know, I, I used to paint these immaculate um, like square grids, either a metre by a metre or 50 by 50, depending on like the, the scale of the, the painting. And if you were across a, a really wide wall, um, you'd, you'd count down. So you'd be on this like crazy angle and you'd count down. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm heading. That hand goes seven blocks yeah, across. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. My finger travels yeah. seven blocks. Sometimes you just miss one. <laughs> it takes a whole And then you'd come down and be like, oh, my God, you just got this brief. <laughs> like, I'm way off. <laughs> or just get, just get some part of it, just be really tight at some stage and you come down and, like, the eye dropped or something happened because you can't even see what's going on over there on, like, on really big scale sometimes. So kind of, you know, once you've made those mistakes a couple of times at yeah. that scale, then you, you you don't sort of stuff up but. Very quickly, I turned back to a, a different technique called like a squiggly grid, and I sort of just paint symbols and letters and funny throps and just eyes and just funny stuff. So that is that to break up or that to, that actually be, your, that, that becomes the grid. Yeah, okay. To get the perspective, and yeah. then it's up to you then to take a a photo completely straight on. Yep. Once you've taken it straight on, then you superimpose your design over the top of that. So I'm assuming you're using like an iPad or like I'm assuming you're yeah. putting all that out to once you get the idea of what you want. Yes. Yeah, you're not randomly. When was the last time you randomly went up to a wall and started doing something? Uh, every wall has like at least half of it. Is kind <laughs> really? of completely random. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, that's so cool. Oh, be, be, because for me, like I, I might have like the bones of something. Like I might have, okay, I know the position of where a, a face or something is going to go, but... I need to be in the space and be informed by the space in the environment around. Sometimes someone might walk along and I'd be like, man, their clothes are just the craziest colours. Look at that combo. And they'll be like, oh, that's going in the painting now. Or like a bird just sort of drops in and I'm like, that's the combination and now I'm going to do the pattern. A bug will land on me and I'll be like, look at the freaking pattern on the back of that beetle. That's going in there. And this, that's how it happens for me. Yeah. You know, I really take a lot of cues from uh, the natural surrounding around me and, and then that ends up going in it. So I've never, ever painted something that's more or less designed how it is from the start. The closest thing to me painting something comprehensive that I actually had like almost like a full uh, design for was the big one in Nevada. Yeah. That's the closest that I've ever come to just okay. not freestyling. And, and it was mainly because we had to do three large-scale works and I had a certain dead time. You're like getting on that plane on at that date, that sort of two and a half weeks time, and you just have to get it done. So I was like, I just want to know exactly what I'm doing and, and, and just go up and smash it out. So talking about places, what's the weirdest place you've done a large piece in? Weirdest? Yeah, um, or craziest, weirdest? Oh, it's you know, I've, a funeral I've home so during many a funeral places. or something. Oh, like, no. Something I, unusual I, or, or, a, or a place like... Yeah, somewhere's a bit weird. Yeah, like I, I guess like sort of the the, the random countries or like d dropping something in the Valley of the Kings in in Egypt, in Egypt and painting in Jerusalem and just so many different places that I've just sort of ended up and um, uh, had the opportunity to to paint at you know and and some of the most beautiful places like painting out at like uh, Morea in Tahiti and and all this other stuff. Yeah. So you're like painting, you turn around, you're in paradise. Yeah, and, that's so um, cool. Old war bunkers or yeah. or just ruins that you find and, 
Yeah, all, all sorts of places. So do you drive somewhere and you go, oh, shit, that looks cool, like you're in the outback Australia here and there's like a, a banged up shed or something, you're like, oh, that'd be a cool place to put something. Does that must go through your mind all the time? Or? It does. You still have this, like, we've got this switch where, like, walls are just like this beacon. Beep, 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 You're like, oh, there's a wall. Get so excited about, like, just a stupid wall space. You're like, oh, my God, I'm just, like, yeah, like Do you peaking. get excited when you see a wall like that? Yeah, because... <laughs> I, as soon as I walked in, I was like, oh, that needs a painting on it, isn't it? <laughs> that one definitely needs a painting on it. And I started, like, messing around with the foam. I'm like, oh, the foam's, like, not straight. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to, oh. Yeah. We might, we might actually put I've got a bit up. of OCD when it comes to this. Uh, we we like might that. actually hit you up for that one day. Um, <laughs> um, in regards to artists, um, Banksy, like, has – seems to have a knack of putting pieces um, mm-hmm. politically or not politically, but seems to have a knack of getting things in certain places. Pretty cool style. What do you Well, what? when you're a multi-multi-millionaire, you get to do things like that. Yes, you can employ construction companies to put up a fake wall in front of something and, and have someone covertly, uh, a this team, is of, another, this team is another. of people <laughs> on the other side of the world, covertly put up your cut stencils and, uh, yeah, get a picture of it the next day and be like, wow, look at this. Do you think it's him doing stuff anymore? Occasionally he does. Yeah. Occasionally he does. So exit through He still the, cuts his own stencils. Huh? Exit yeah, through the um, shop. What's that shop? Gift shop. Gift shop? Yeah. Um, that's him, huh? What, what do you mean? Like the like, person in it that you don't see. Is that? Uh, some. Parts yeah. of. Yeah, some. Yeah, so he's always he's always teamed up with people. Uh, he's we had to that, by himself. That Banksy does New York. Um, yeah. that that thirty day marathon of something every day, yeah. which was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have? Do you think that'd be a cool thing to do? Like myself? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you, um, you know, you can only get Vans away with that does, if you... Vans does Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hit. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you have to have, you just have to have like a, a crazy name to pull off stuff like that and to get the, the hype around it. Yeah. Because realistically, anywhere we travel, you, if we're traveling to do art, you're painting every day and you paint during your festival, you paint when you finish the festival with other locals and you go up for something cheeky before or, or, or whatever. It's like nonstop painting. So we kind of are doing that. It's just not. Advertised. Yeah, yeah. Um, who who do you think's got the best line control with with street art with with spray spray paint? Spray paint. Yeah. Ooh, so this um, is gonna it's obviously gonna offend a few of your friends with an answer here, but it, it uh, you know in general it doesn't have to be one person. It's it is an art, and and I think when you actually see people do it, it's just I think it's mind blowing how, how, yeah, how amazing. There's. Say at certain eras, there's been certain guys like back in the day, it was like Murder from Melbourne. Like yeah. he was the dude, he could just control the, the line work so perfectly, and you had to sort of get it perfect the first time around. Um, a, a lot of the artists back in the day, they didn't keep on going back over a line to get a, a thickness or whatever, it was just first hit, and, and that's how it lays. So, I've got a lot of respect for, I guess, that kind of line value when it's just done first first off yeah um there's a lot of european artists and a, a, a friend of mine um does um from the netherlands and he's like a, another one of the sort of super freak uh like line can control he's got amazing ability um but there's there's so many now yeah. there's so many comparable people at certain skill levels you know 
I'm known for my cleanliness in the the way that I paint and my my line value as well. But I know now, you know, I've, I've probably just tipped my peak. I have to like try a little bit harder to keep it steady. <laughs> and occasionally, when you're when when everything's going right, I'll you know I'll, I'll still punch out some perfect lines. So yeah. seeing um art. Uh, in Australia, who, who do you think is literally everywhere in Australia for an artist? Like, you know, who, um, yeah, murder. Just get a curiosity. Murder is was that person killed anyone? No. Okay. No. No. no just, definitely oh, very song. well <laughs> well natured man. Yes, family man. Um, just to kill a star. <laughs> yes. Boom. There Bang. it is. Um, uh, I, I guess someone who's sort of. Everywhere, your you, you, you Rones, people like your you Rones, Adnate, um, yep. uh, Georgia Hill, she's one of my favourite artists from um, New South Wales. Um, she's just on, she's everywhere now and just doing some of the, like the larger scale. She's probably done the most consistent large scale works in Australia in the last two years. Okay. She's, um, yeah, um, amazing, amazing artist. And I've had her down um, with my festivals in, uh, in Big Picture and Wonderwalls okay. um, in South Australia as well. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot. But in, in Adelaide, I just want to, like, mention um, Jasmine Crisp in, in Adelaide. She's sort of, like, one of my, like, hot hot favourites. Hot favourites. Like, it's like... Just doing, like <laughs> Really, really um, amazing um, work out on the street at the moment. And then there's just the sort of the consistent group of of um, uh, friends who have been doing consistently good work for the last sort of 10 to, to 20 years who are all still doing it. Like there's a lot, a lot of talent here and a lot of the talent sort of 20 years ago, 25 years ago, a lot of the, the guys moved um, to Melbourne had families and then moved back to to Adelaide. So there's a lot of people sort of returning or having kids and then coming back out of um, yeah. retirement in a sense. And so there's a, a lot of amazing talent here. Crazy. So what's what's next for fans? The Amiga, Joel, like you've got a million names. So what what, what do you think? What's what do you got? Twenty twenty's been an interesting year for most people. You've been quite fortunate by the sounds of it. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna complain about 2020 there's yep. a lot of people that have had um really really tough things to work through um i find myself in a fortunate position to have um i guess my name and my abilities to carry me over that line as such um but what's coming up for me is i guess i want to do maybe less painting projects yep. in a way like less larger scale stuff i'd like to be able to get into the studio at some stage because I just I don't do that I don't utilize that as a practice I would like to attempt to create some stuff that um, I've never painted before and um, hang on what you never like as in things or or different styles different styles okay sculpture yeah okay animation I watched ghosts the other night <clears throat> oh yeah 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 and they did that pottery scene yes is that the sort of... Uh, yes, yeah. but without Patrick Swayze <laughs> sleezing over my back. <laughs> yeah, minus Patrick Swayze. So you tr- is this like the reinvention of, hey, uh, I want to just learn more and more and more? Uh, no, it's, it's not reinvention at all. It's 
all the stuff that I just put on the back burner. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, I've been very focused as a father with my um, children. So I've, I've tried to do a lot, organize a lot more things where I can be at home. Um, and then when I go out and do a, a, a job, I'm like super focused. I, you know, five, 10 years ago, I'd get to a wall and be fart assing around and wondering what I might do. And you feel like you'd had all the time in the world. I might spend 12 hours at the wall in a, in a day. And now I'm like, you know, bang, I'm going there. I'm setting up. I'm just like crunching it out. Um, but with the still proficiency and skill level, it's just I set myself up and I, it's the organisation behind and organising myself like very proficiently that's can really get you, you know, the ability to do things in a much, you know, timelier fashion, which has been a godsend because then I can still be home to cook meals for my family at 5.30, you which is nice. Cook? I love Are cooking. Are you the main cook in the house? Yeah, I love cooking. I don't, I don't feel like it's a, a chore at all. I love every part of it. I love the smell, the sensation, the, the chopping part. Uh, I make art out of the food before it goes into the pan. I'm always like, oh, that looks sick. Look at that. The way that noodle's made that line, I can put that into a design. Just, I'm looking at the, you know, the, the dissection of the grape and the seed. Oh, that's got all this like membrane around. It's got all this stuff going on. That would look so sick in, inside a pattern of, as repetition. And I'm always, I'm just geared that way. You know, I find the beauty in everything, basically. Um, we talk about some of the, the work that you've done. Do you, do you have any, you know, do, is there a chance for younger people to learn off you other than watching or, you know, seeing you? And, and you're such an accommodating person. I'm, I'm assuming if some kid comes up to you, you'll definitely talk and, and give them yeah. advice. Is, if there's yeah. something, some piece of advice you could give to a, God help them, a 15-year-old um, mm. Vans Omega, if, if there's something you could tell them and they were really keen in the art, um, space. Yeah. What sort of advice would would you be likely to give? Well, being so you're so much yeah. more knowledgeable now. Yeah. You're. Yeah. I don't know how old you are, but you're probably near forty, and you know you've probably learnt so much from life that yes. you can give them some sound, fancy yeah. Omega advice right here. Well, I, I think the main thing would be not to be scared of making mistakes. Out of every mistake, you'll find something that you can take away from that and turn into a win. Um, and to trust your instincts and really follow your passion and your heart no matter what. I always say to young people, you have to be very one-eyed when it comes to your chosen field. So, you know, you've got to realise what is the fat in your life and start chopping it away in, in a certain way and really hone in on what you want to get out of something because at the end of the day, it's pure effort. You know, it's effort and work before it becomes effortless. Very sound words. And when you talk about now, I think you look at now, you're loving what you're doing at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you're in a lucky space, I'm guessing, which gives you, you can support a family or your family as well, yeah. but you get to do something you absolutely love. So you technically aren't, you don't think you work, do you? This is, a, this is an interesting one because I don't want people to have the misconception that I mean, I wake up happy. I wake up, let's go. What an amazing opportunity. Let's get stuff done. Like that's how I'm geared. I like working. But I start off like working so many shit jobs, terrible, terrible jobs that I'd never wish upon anyone to actually have to do, like all, all day labour intensive things that are just painful and are in dark rooms or 
filled with chemicals in cold rooms, in all sorts of things that you just don't enjoy, aren't enjoyable at all. So when I had the opportunity to just follow my creative path, I just worked my ass off. And there are days where it feels like very hard work, but I still know that's just a process. And then the next day you're rewarded by that process of, of working hard and it turns into something else. You know, even if you you don't get a, a, a good sleep at night and you're up there doing something that you love, sometimes you just, you're painting a section of something and, you know, you've I've painted 30 colours into this dynamic eye and everything is absolutely perfect. And the one time I haven't just test sprayed like a, a dot out of a, a spray to oh. do the white highlight at the end, and I've gone like that and it's dried over in summer and the, the spray's gone off in three or four different directions and just wrecked the eye in like one, just one dot. And you're like, that's going to take me two hours to get it back. And it'll never look as good as what I just had painted it. You know, stuff like that still happens. It's those little times of attention or being really tired or fatigued. So I'd say sometimes you've got to understand when to stop and walk away when you're at a certain attention or fatigue with especially with artwork or anything that you're yep. doing or turn your attention to a part of your artwork that if you made a mistake in that area it would be a lot easier to, to fix, fix. <laughs> well i was gonna one of the things i was what do you do when you make a mistake like do you yeah, it's not like, like, is it like getting the liquid vapor out? Oh, shit, we can no, cover that. No, no, like... We, the, go, the, <laughs> we sit there and put a different colour. Like, have you sat there and go, oh, shit, that, that finger's too long? Or Well, sometimes you do like a, a, a cheeky and you might be like, <laughs> oh, maybe I just put a big blob shine over this. It might be something that you can get away by doing another technique. But sometimes, for example, when I paint there's some points in my paintings where there's a convergence of 10 to 15 colors that all hit a single point and you imagine if you've got like this much space on a wall and you do it wrong you don't have one color to fix up you've got the 20 but then you've got every edge of every one of those colors and drying time in between to get that right so you might be like oh maybe there's a floating shape over this now (laughs) (laughs) Maybe JP's duck's going over this bit right now. <laughs> oh, you know, got, you know the, you, you, sometimes you weigh, weigh things up and you're like, I'm literally just going to fall over and, and you know, I just want to walk away from this wall if I can't, you know, correct it quicker than having to go back. And then, then there's other times where meticulously I'll spend half a day just fixing up that thing that just happened in a flash. And sometimes you're up uh, two two stories higher and you've got um, – you work with a, a spray gun or, or something else and some parts of it clog up or loosens and just a squirt of paint just comes out of the machine in like some weird direction and you're like – you look down you're like oh! – <laughs> you've got drips over like whole sections of your work and you're like, wow, I, I, think- I guess I'm repainting that whole section when I get down to the ground. Well, I think everyone can have a relate. I think everyone can relate to yes. that in their own. Maybe yeah. not with art. I mean, some people. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, just recently we, no, just recently Ollie, um, we we do supplier videos where yeah. you know they they pay us. We do it. We try to do a bit of a video, yeah. and occasionally the footage gets deleted, doesn't it, Ollie? Yeah, by well, accident. Yeah, by accident. <laughs> but you know, everyone oh, has no, that day. Happens. I mean. Well, I think if you look at 
the works of like Lister, for instance, mm. he's made an art form of paint dripping from a lot of mess. Yes, uh, uh, you know, and you know, fair, fair to say there is a bit of controversy around him now, but he's an artist that's sort of exploded from from Australia. Yeah, and, and, and done a, a lot of stuff all around the place, all overseas yeah. as well. And it's one of those things of putting yourself out there, and you've clearly put yourself out there. You have pieces all over the country and I dare say the world. Yeah. What has been the most exciting job that you've been involved with? No, not job, mural that you've been, or piece that you've been involved with? Well, recently it was definitely that Nevada yep. project. Um, to be sitting, you know, we, we had our own lunchroom and we had these mills that were being carted in from Vegas three times a day of like the most incredible <laughs> Food. We had tables full of like gourmet food that we could go to any time of the day. Vitamin programs, just what about the free stuff? We had shamans come in to bless our walls. We just we'd, we'd, we'd go off to the Mirage and other places to go see like a, a you know like Cirque du Soleil or some like amazing act in the evening. And it so was you just guys it like was rock nuts. stars. Like you guys are the the artist rock star equivalent doing. Whole- yeah, but not wankers. <laughs> <laughs> some rock stars are just absolute wankers we'll leave it at that but they 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 are in that sense but you know i, I think there was a lot of human you know when you see someone who's like super skilled but human yeah you know they just still have their humanity about them i mean you know the occasional rock star is fun you know it's fun it's fun uh-huh. for, for the night but you wouldn't want to live with it um but yeah that that was an incredible project um uh, some of the early projects um, when I was in um, Europe doing like really, really large scale walls, but with like groups of guys. Yeah. And there were some walls that um, that I was painting in um, Bavaria that we'd actually camp out at the wall. They were in a place where we actually just could camp out. We'd camp out next to a river and then paint all day long. And it just left this overwhelming impression and this sort of tight knit kind of family and, and bonds with people that, I've had for 20 years now because of it. It sort of takes you as an industry that spits out the dickhead. Oh. No? Not not really. They just kind of move on to the next party. Maybe they find a group of dickheads. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I, I was lucky enough to have a chat with um, Matt Hall, Red Bull stunt plane. Oh, yep. Um, and they have the... Red Bull Air Race. And he, he was talking about, yeah, I go, do people come into the scene... That, you know, a young kid, because most of them are over 40, mm. 45. Like, they're, most of them are in their 50s, yes. right? Um, and Matt's oh, probably going to kill me. He's probably just around that 40, 50 or whatever. But he, he was talking that the young kids come in and they just, some of them just don't blend in. And then they go. And he talks about how they come in and then they go. Because yeah. they realise, hey, this is... It's not an it's not an area to be, um, let's say, reckless. Albeit we watch them and think they're yes. reckless. Yes, yes. Uh, to them, it's they're not reckless. Uh, my life is. I don't want to kill myself, so yeah. I don't want to kill the crowd. So, but then every now and then the maverick comes in and <laughs> pulls it off, and you're like, like, all right, there you go. That's exactly right. That's no different than your scene, huh? Yes. Um, who, we gave who, him the bird goose. <laughs> oh, your permission for a flyby. I've been trying to parry to do a um, to do a tower with with talking of. Of characters, mm-hmm. what would be the biggest um, character or crazy person in your your? I don't know about crew, but yeah, your crew. You're seeing the people that you're associated. We're to. in the the field. Yeah, <clears throat> there's a lot of massive characters in my crew. TMD. 
especially um, like a uh, fat one. He's uh, yeah, burly Maori uh, boy <laughs> from um, Auckland. Um, yeah, just so fun, loving, and larger than life, and someone who just leaves an impression on you from the first time you ever meet them. Yeah. Um, there's been some like graffiti, like T Kid. He was like had just, I guess, the personality and the persona and what kind of precedes these people of what you see them, like sort of lived up to that sort of expectation at the time. Um, who else has been like just mad characters? There, honestly, there are so many yeah. in this field, in lot. that type of art. There's a lot of quirky, quirky, quirky behaviour um, and, and just fun-loving people like uh, Smug. Um, have, do you know no, Smug's no. work? So Smug's an Australian guy from... Um, uh, New South Wales originally, but he's um, been living in Scotland for um, the, the last like, 15 odd years. But he ends up um, back over here in summer doing some of the larger scale works. But he's like a another one of the super freak portrait oh, painters. He's got some and very fast, work, like man. incredible, incredible work. He, he's a, a, a close mate of mine. Um, he, he's just another really like funny, funny guy to be around and hang out with. Soffles is like a massive personality and like super, super f- really? funny. Yeah, yeah, like a, a, amazing, um, yeah, amazingly like quirky and, and fun. There's, a, there's, I think in the, the sort of graffiti scene, I've come across like a lot of the sort like of most lot. quirkiest sort of out there sort of people. Um, and then, and then, the other sort of group of people that I've really enjoyed spending time with is the skateboard community. Okay. Yeah, just wild. Have you seen just all wild. this mayhem? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's full on that docker. Yeah, it is. It's incredible. I, I remember it all too. Yeah. Like, uh, have you watched it, Kevin? It's a killer docker. Like, yeah. it's hard to believe. When it comes together, you're like, fuck, this is fucking real. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we haven't got time. We, <laughs> like, uh, it, it is definitely, it is an eye opener. It, it was actually very well put together, Doco too. Yeah. And um, to actually see that this was happening from Australia, taking mm. on Tony Hall. Oh, that's, that's another story. But okay, we yeah, for we, the nine, old nine twenty, wasn't it? Was huh? It was it nine twenty? Well, that's for oh, nine hundred. Nine hundred. Unbelievable. So if we if we look at all the things you've done, amazing artist, and it's it's thanks a lot for coming in it's so cool to have yeah, you come no, in and no have worries, a chat about the thing you love the mo- i love speaking to people that love what they're doing yeah and i could talk seriously yeah, yeah. All, all day for well next time we'll have to well you're going to come back and do something <laughs> here because i'm going to put a, a wall of matchbox cars up there right oh yes yeah see thank you very much my thank boy you. still plays with that one that you gave him at the shop every yes. day <laughs> He's so car obsessed. It's crazy. The first thing he says in the morning, apart from like booby, is car. <laughs> well, he's got two things right, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, if, so if, if you were sitting around around the table, if you weren't doing what you're doing right now mm-hmm. and you could do absolutely anything on the planet, yep. what would you be doing? If I had the balls, I'd be a singer. Okay. Yeah. Like opera, hip hop. I'd I'd probably sort Gangster. of I'd be a little bit fluid between a, a, a couple of genres, but I I like movement as well. So song and and dance. What? Some, somewhere in a are in you a, kidding? Somewhere me? in a parallel dimension, I'm singing and dancing like twenty four seven for sure. Okay, uh, I yes. love it. That's cool. I like yeah, how that, you actually that, that's put my that. stuff. Actually, in 
I think half the reason why I can paint the way I do, it's attributed to um, body mechanics and movement. I grew up with my mum being a dancer and I didn't go to creche. I'd stand up next to my mum while she taught jazz ballet and practised movement, obsessed with martial arts and this other stuff and actually takes that sort of movement between dancing, martial arts and um, popping and locking because popping yeah. and locking takes a lot of precise movements and being able to sort of click into them. And when you can move like on a certain plane and be repetitive, so when I paint, I can move along a certain plane and be, you know, set up and prepared to do that. And that's yeah, why even I then can, it just looked like it was... Technically, yeah. I can almost do exactly the same movement. I can paint a dead straight line because of that and it comes from that movement, you know. That's yeah. that's awesome. I mean, one of my claims to fame was um, I went out with the uh, BC1 crew. Oh, yeah. And it was a private Red Bull party just in this, and they had it set up on the floor, and everyone's like, so you could take it in turns, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can do and I can do the rock forward, rock back, that's about yeah. it. And they're like, yeah, they're sitting there. The lap rock. Yeah, they're yeah. all sitting there going, all right, and I go, all right, sit back down. <laughs> they were looking at me, what are you doing? I said, no, if they're, in, if they're in BC1, they're like they're amazing. crazy. They were freaks. Yeah. Like, what they were doing was amazing, yeah. and they all thought I worked for Red Bull, and I didn't. So I was shouting drinks all night to the whole crew, which they were getting free drinks anyway, but I was getting free drinks because they all thought I worked for Red Bull. Oh, classic. But I was a guest at Red Bull. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tintin, if you're listening, you'll know that story. Um, so we, we we get to this final final thing. we got two questions left for yep. you. They're hard-hitting. These are the hard-hitting questions that we have there. If, you, if there was one thing that mm-hmm. you could do that would have an impact on the world, mm-hmm. What would that be? End starvation. Straight Beautiful. off. That's easy. No one on this planet needs to needs to die of starvation. There's so much food and there's so much waste. Um, yeah, that- we, we waste. Uh, I think it's in Australia. It's about four hundred tons a mm-hmm. year goes yeah. goes into landfill. Yeah, it's a huge number. Yeah. So there has to be better work done. To, to, I, I agree 100% because yep. we shouldn't be in a situation and, you know, we're guilty of it. I've tried a lot better to make sure what mm. I order I eat. That's probably why mm. I put on weight. But the, it's it's trying to make sure that there, it's got to be some processes and we do do osphorus and, and mm. what they're and harvest and they, they all do try to pick up to make sure we can yes. get back into the community. I mean, it's gotten a lot better than what it used to be. Oh, I mean, none of this stuff was around a decade ago. No, and the, and the best part about it, it's only going to get better. Mm. So I, I think that's that's awesome. No, mm. I don't think anyone said that. So that's your claim to fame. There's yeah, one, it's, one more it's, thing. It's a big thing. I think um, in the era as a child growing up and seeing the adverts specifically, you know, of, of kids dying of famine in Africa, that never left me. Yeah. And, and the idea that if you're a parent, like knowing you're being a parent now, and not being able to feed your child and seeing them perish before your eyes yeah. simply not because they can't get like a handful of rice. Yeah. If we can't correct that as humanity, there's something deeply, deeply wrong. So and I think that, that needs correcting. Yeah, love it. Okay. And I'm happy to say I think that's going to get better, but there's still mm. a, a long way to go. Um, and let's bring us to this last question. So Drum roll. if you died... 
Who says I'm going to die? If you died in the physical, if you died in the physical sense, <laughs> um, and you came back reincarnated as a board game, what board game do you would you like to come back as? And why are you gathering your thoughts on that? That's been it's been a lot of options, and I don't want to railroad you into what other people have said because I've I've learnt that once I give a few suggestions, that might be the one. But you could ask what mine would be. What was yours then? <laughs> Which board game have you recut? I'm going myself. I Scrabble, right? Okay. Because yep. sometimes what I say is really good mm-hmm. and get good points, and sometimes what I say isn't and don't get any good points. But you never know what's going to come out. It's each game will be different. So for me, I thought a good assumption, a thing I'd like to come back as Scrabble, because it's always different, always changing. All right. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Hey, that's well, me. I, I don't have a good repertoire of board games, yeah. but just off the top of my head, it's going to come out like this. Um, I love the number four. I always played basketball under the number four. Yeah. And Connect Four, there's always like a, a, a different winner you're making new connections every time. It's programming. You're looking at, yeah, different sets of, of programming. So maybe I'd sort of get spat back out as a as an eagle or something else like that. Oh, afterwards. I'd but fly if and soar, <laughs> soar higher. So Connect Four it is. Um, <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you in. I love speaking to people that are... I think you're pinnacle of what you're doing in 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 this in the scene, and you're making an influence on other people. Um, yeah, I really appreciate coming in and having a chat to us about it. Um, I did have a few questions come through. I've answered, I've gone through most of them. One of them was, can you do a piece on the Drake's Collingswood side wall? <laughs> we 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 at Collingswood there. We have got a store, and the wall is terrible. There's a side piece wall which is a landscape. So hey, maybe we should have a chat about that. But I'm keen. What about what Let's do it. Lock it in. Yeah, something come through about that. Um, you know, we definitely want to be involved in things that you're doing, and if if there's somehow that we can have some affiliation moving forward. Um, you know, showcasing pieces of people coming through, having walls that we have available for things to do and just being able to be, you know, to help you on your journey because um, you're here because we love what you do. So. I've got big plans, like okay. a lot of exciting things in the in, in the pipelines on many different um, levels. I'm always pushing into sort of other creative fields and trying to find ways to pull South Australian artists together along with technology and other things. so Well, we're very happy to be I'll a be part. chatting with you in about yeah. a month's time. And we've got some guy that can edit quite well and film quite well and doesn't delete the footage. Not like, every time. Not every time. Not every time. And occasionally presses record. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, oh, we're loving what you're seeing. I think it's great not only for Australia, it's, it's fantastic for South Australia and Adelaide. And thanks very much. Appreciate your time. Thanks, mate. Sweet. Rock and roll.